Was that not what it was when he was a player as well? Just beer and hot dogs for, <laughs> for his entire career? Welcome back to another episode of Dead FC. Man, every time I hear that song, it goes so hard. I, we're just all in here jamming on, <laughs> on camera right now. It's so fun. So again, shout My out to the boys, Taylor. Do they? Oh, man, it's so good. We have some big dreams for more stuff. Well, I'm not going to... I'll tease it, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into that now. Yeah. We'll save that for another day. Obviously, great to see you boys getting everybody back together for another pod is always an enjoyable experience. And you know, we're going into the holidays now. So we're, <laughs> it's, I can't believe we're almost to the end of this year. It's pretty much flown by and already now a couple episodes in. So kudos to everybody. Pretty amazing. This episode in particular, I think we started talking about topics and wanted to figure out what we were doing. And we just thought about the, the timing of this. It's perfect with college football right now. Like it is a huge rivalry week across American sports are going into that. So I think it goes without saying that soccer has some of the greatest derbies and rivalries in, in sporting of all time. And so some of these are just some pretty amazing stuff. And this times up perfectly because we have this new modern rivalry coming out between Liverpool and Manchester City, which is next weekend. Ryan, how are you feeling about that? I lost you for like 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> We definitely got to keep that in. We're not cutting that shit at all. Like we'll even say it. That say it you said we're heading into rivalry weekend, and then I lost. I lost you until you said, "How do you feel about that?" I'm pumped, man. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm excited about. I'm excited about the game. I'm excited about us taking over the top of the table. Those are the games you got to win, right? So they're exciting. It's interesting you talk about new budding rivalries. I think a lot of the essence of what we think about rivalries, whether it's, I mean, you mentioned college football and obviously soccer. A lot of it comes with hate and going against the other team and having these like long standing traditions of hating each other and Liverpool and Man City don't necessarily have that but it seems like right now it's the league against Man City they've been I mean honestly they've been so damn good the last few years that even more than even Man Manchester United even more than Everton even more than some of the other natural rivalries we have like that's the one I think that's the one I mark my calendar for now the last few years so I'm excited for it I liked it I know that 7 30 a.m kickoffs aren't always the most fun for us especially on a holiday but I like that we're center stage so I'm pumped how do you feel yeah, gives me a reason to have a beer first thing in the morning. So I'm <laughs> never opposed to that. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it's one of those things that has just been growing over time. And the thing about like global football, when you think about derbies and when you think about rivalries, like, yeah, you mentioned this is, there's a time. This is like they played 100 years ago and it's just butted into this really intense experience across the board. So yeah, I, I am excited, obviously, for Liverpool, Manchester City. I'm excited to see how this one continues to grow over the next few years. We are just these two giants going head to head. And then it also paints a little bit of an interesting picture with this new relationship we have with Manchester City. Obviously, we have a rivalry with Manchester United. And then there's Everton, which has been a long-standing head-to-head. We were connected clubs at the very beginning at our origins, and then we split apart. And it's really fallen by the wayside. And obviously, with the news that Everton just got a points deduction because of their financial fair play, <laughs> we might not even have this next season. We might not even actually have this this match, this uh, derby, which is 
both sad and really interesting. I do think there's something special about those historical derbies that, like the Merseyside Derby for for y'all, that are somewhat special, even though like maybe they've long since been competitive. I'm not really much of a college football fan, but I know y'all are, and we're all Georgia boys. And think about how much fun it is to get up for the Georgia Tech game whenever that happens. I don't think that game's ever really been competitive, uh, but you always want to make sure that you can go and embarrass Tech. So I think it's that same kind of thing where like there's this like longstanding contention and hate towards each other uh, without it being necessarily competitive. And I think that's that can also be very fun. Yeah, and the, it's a lot of the mentality of like it's like it's better just not lose. Like it's better just avoid the loss. Like it's not even that satisfying to win. It's just like you don't want to lose because you don't want anyone to have that over you, right? And that's a lot of what those, especially a lot of those traditional rivalries are, are about. I think we'll get it. We're talking about Liverpool, Man City, and even maybe like Georgia, Alabama now, which is a newer rivalry. Like a lot of it is like there's a lot on the line when you play. So there's just that extra passion. But those natural ones just that you have to be a rival over time, there's you're not always going to be on the same playing field or the same level. So there's just that natural, like, let's just like win, take a breath and go on. And so it's a little bit different. Well, what's interesting too is how, yeah, you mentioned Jensen, you mentioned how these aren't really competitive. It's more just for the fun and the experience and the tradition, but you see it in college football. You see it in global football. Like These teams play up to each other. And there's surprises that happen all the time. And I mean, I've been to many a Georgia game and just, I'm, I'm thinking back to what was it, 2012, I think when Georgia Tech, you know, put us in our place at home. Like they just really shocked us. That was horrible. <laughs> you know, we, that was a horrible experience. We, was that, was that we beat them by a lot in 2012, but I know what you mean. <laughs> Well, so with that, I'm curious to hear like your perspective of that Merseyside Derby and how that kind of plays out for you, especially like, I think it may mean something a bit different for somebody who's living in Liverpool and is from there, but like, how do you internalize that Derby whenever it comes up every year? Yeah. I mean, as someone who doesn't live there and honestly, like a newer, like I wasn't a Liverpool fan from birth, like it's a newer thing for me too. So for me, it's a lot of like, I actually just enjoy the rivalry and I just think it's cool that the stadiums are a half mile apart and brothers against brothers and just like seeing the family aspect of it and seeing it. I don't really have any hate for Everton. This is one of those ones where it's like, I don't want to lose to them because then like they have that over us for however amount of time and it's a big upset and those aren't points that we want to drop. But as far as like hate in my heart for Everton, like I don't necessarily have that. Yeah. They're a team that, you know, as a Liverpool supporter who doesn't live in Liverpool, like you learn about this, you start to see how people talk about this, the Merseyside Derby and what it means to them. And I came into this perspective of just like, oh, I'm supposed to hate Everton. Like, this is just something we do now. And yeah, I mean, obviously I don't have any ill will and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw serious hate onto anyone, but just from just an outsider's perspective, like I appreciate that this has been something that's been around for over a hundred years that's pretty great. Like it's, that's like old that to be like an outsider coming into like old fashioned hate. That's a really interesting thing to adopt. Like, Oh, it's like, I just, I'm supposed to hate them now. Okay, cool. Like I'll just hate this per hate this team, hate this club. That, that works great. Noted. For me as a lead supporter, it's considerably easier to just automatically hate 
like the two biggest derbies and biggest rivalries that Leeds has. The first one, it's, I think, relatively newer. It would be Chelsea. Still to this day, you'll hear Leeds fans chanting, we hate Chelsea. And I was chatting with one of the guys that I watched Leeds matches with that grew up there. And I mentioned like a 70s FA Cup match that was pretty contentious. And that just bred onto there. Also, they were owned by a Russian oligarch and they're a posh, wealthy London club. So like, fuck them. The other really big rivalry that pretty much since the beginning of time that Leeds has hated is Manchester United. And a lot of people anecdotally pin that one to starting all the way back to the War of the Roses that happened between 1455 and 1485. That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, if you don't know anything about that war, it was basically like this English civil war after the death of Henry V in 1422. There started to be this power grab and the House of York and the House of Lancaster were battling over who was going to assume power of England. And so there's been this longstanding hate between Lancaster and York, which leads are from Yorkshire. And the War of the Roses, like there's the White Rose of Yorkshire and the Red Rose of Lancaster. But really, the kind of sporting rivalry goes quite a bit later. The clubs first faced each other in 1923. It's crazy to think about like how old that is. But the really thing that sparked that rivalry was a 1965 FA Cup semifinal. So it was initially drawn and they had to replay the game. And Leeds were able to knock Manchester United out. Liverpool actually went on to win that FA Cup against that. Mm-hmm. 2-1 Liverpool versus Leeds. But over the next 30 years, Leeds and Manu have traded blows and each gone like 10 plus games unbeaten against the other. And for the longest time in these different periods, they were the top two clubs in like the first division battling out over who was going to win. And the most famous era of like really like putting it to Manu was in the Don Revy era, which that's whenever Leeds got the reputation of being dirty Leeds because that Revy played this like super hard nose, like really physical style of play. And at that time, English football was like trying to be beautiful and intricate and stuff. And he was just like decimating people, kicking the shit out of them. I think one of the cool things about rivalries is like the ones where it's like everyone hates each other the same is like, is Leeds and Man U like do Leeds fans hate Manchester United fans or the team as much as like vice versa? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's like there, it gets pretty nuts. Like there was one match where a former Leeds player had left to go play for Manchester United. And this former Leeds player that left for Man U scored a game winning goal at Ellen Road. And that riled up the fans. And Leeds fans were waiting for the Man U fans by their buses and a brawl. And so this was in the 70s, back whenever the troubles were really going on. Yeah. And both supporters groups have been guilty of referencing some pretty fucked up shit. So according to Scum fans, Leeds supporters have chanted Munich at them because if you don't know, Manchester United was flying home from a UEFA Cup match and their plane crashed and like out of 40 people on the plane, 21 of them died. It's horrible. Yeah. So apparently Leeds Leeds fans chanted Munich at Scum fans, but Scum fans at one match held up a flag that said Istanbul Reds, which is referencing... Chris and Kev, who were murdered. I talked about this uh, in a previous episode. Chris and Kev were, were murdered in Istanbul by Galatasaray fans. And Scum fans were waving a flag, joking about that. 
the thing about that is that's what these sort of rivalries create is some serious passion across the fan groups, across the supporters groups. There's the good, clean fun, and then there's where it starts to get really con- contested and, and really dark. And I think it's important as a supporter to, man, it's like you got to know where to draw the line. Obviously, like there's some things you just you really cannot say. Like this just it's like off limits, but it, it does happen. I mean, it does just that's what this sport does is it riles people up to that degree where they put their humanity behind them and and start saying some things that they probably wouldn't say if they were just sitting next to someone drinking a beer. Yeah. That stuff's kind of fucked up, but in 2010, Leeds were all the way down in the third tier and Manchester United were in in the Premier League and they faced off in a FA Cup tie and we won that match 1-0 knocking them out of the FA Cup and there's a chant that the lead supporters still sing and it's January 3rd that's beautiful I love that as a Liverpool fan, we, we talked about Liverpool and, and Everton being that natural rivalry too, but Liverpool's biggest rival also is Manchester United. So I'm just loving all these stories and I'm glad that at least the, the three of us can all connect on this one. Yeah. Well, that's why I said at the beginning that I got lucky with Leeds that it's really easy to hate their biggest rivals because everybody fucking hates them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. This is This feels like a therapy group. We're just all hating Manchester United together. The one thing that's really interesting about some of these rivalries is how they're built out of the socioeconomic divides that are in these cities. So, like for example, the Inter Milan and AC Milan, they called them essentially like the braggarts versus the screwdrivers. These were the people who were the rich versus the blue collar workers. And it's the Derby della Medanina, which is their rivalry is called. And I love the fact that like they're taking some of their really who they are as a person, what they believe in their trades. And they're funneling them into sport. And they're saying, like, this is the battleground where we're going to decide who really comes out on top. And there's so many examples of this across the sport. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Boca River rivalry in Buenos Aires. These two clubs, Boca Juniors, obviously my family. I think we've talked about it before on here that my family is from Argentina and grew up big Boca fans. And River's the big rivalry not too far away. They actually started... Both teams started in La Boca neighborhood in Buenos Aires, like 1901, 1905. And then in 1925, River moved to like the affluent area. And now it's there's a socioeconomic divide where it's like working class Boca fans and kind of the rich, posh River fans. And that's not 100% accurate about all the fans, but that's how the rivalries viewed. And I think a lot of the fans hold on to that too. Like River fans call Boca fans chickens and pigs and stuff. And they talk about La Bombonera, the stadium, as like being sewage waste and like how these people are living in slum and they call out how shitty these people's lives are even though like they're just normal people they just don't live in like a rich neighborhood i was trying to find the quote about what river fans call boca fans and we were talking about how like intense some of this gets in 2018 when these teams were going to play the headline of this article is river plate fans dismember a pig and shout we are going to kill you boca like outside of the stadium and through pieces of the pig and attack the boca team bus and it's that's pretty crazy and it's all like and they hate each other because they're close to each other and they're just like one lives in one neighborhood and one lives in the other and they have this like real hate for it and that just shows like i doubt that the players think a lot of the same things i know that like what's cool about it is when it does trickle down to the players i know that even maradona in the past obviously when he played it when he played at boca he was asked about playing river and he said beating river plate is as nice as when your mom comes to wake you up in the morning with a kiss and i just think 
It's beautiful, especially coming from Diego. Like, that's just cool. He doesn't have the hate. He's just saying, like, it's really awesome to beat them. Like, that's the best way to just, like, kickstart whatever your week or your month or the year or whatever. But just, like, the hate amongst the fans for that one is scary sometimes and gets a little dangerous. And that, that's one of the more intense ones that I've heard about since I was a little kid, too. Yeah, it's just... Diego is such a poet. I just love him. He just, everything he says, and you go back to look at the quotes, it's like, oh, he just nailed it. He just absolutely nailed it. One thing you mentioned this, like throwing chopped up pig guts at the, across the, what did they throwing it at the bus? Is that what you said? Yeah. They attacked the team bus after dismembering a pig and throwing the pieces places and shouting, where are you going to kill yeah. you? So typical, How do you think the typical p- evening. Yeah. How do you think the players and coaches like prepare for that mentally? Like, how do you get yourself wrapped around the fact that you could see pig guts on your way to the stadium tonight? Like, what do you think you, how do you mentally prepare for that? Pablo Perez talked about that when that happened. And he has a quote saying, he's like, I couldn't play, but they tried to force us to. Usually it's just like, hey, these guys are getting paid well and it's part of the job and it is that. But when it comes down to that, it's pretty crazy. He had a serious eye injury from this and like couldn't play. And it's crazy. This is, doesn't happen all the time, but it hurts you. Like it hurts them physically and mentally. And it's gotta be, it's gotta be taxing to have to be like worried about that. I don't know what happened the next time they played, but I, I mean, I don't think that happened again, but still like that's gotta be at the top of your mind at any point. And that just fuels the rivalry even more, right? When the players start saying things and he probably came out and was like, I'm sure the river fans are like, oh, what a wuss, like all this kind of stuff. And probably even fueled both sides even more. Yeah, I was just thinking about this when you were saying that, you know, how we were talking about how we adopted some of this hate as Americans going into the Premier League. Of course, they're the actual ones playing the matches, but like a lot of players, that's them, them too. Like they go and they join a top tier club and then they find out about the rivalries or they knew about the rivalries and then they start just, you see it on social after a match, like you're going to have the players who are just like, pumped like they're just adopted that themselves so i mean it is interesting just again how that collective feeling is just so ingrained once you like become a supporter or a player about those clubs think about how players get energized and ramped up for matches that they really feed off of the crowd and think about how good it must feel to score a goal and then run over to your supporters and you see them going absolute ape shit because you scored a goal against that big rival like that's got to get that adrenaline like times 50 talking about the players like they become such a part of it they're almost like us fans and they're like indoctrinated into it almost like the fans are who weren't even like born into it i'm just thinking about anyone who played for a lot of these clubs a lot of people who are like pundits and reporters now obviously have a history with a lot of these and some of them especially over in england never have a nice thing to say about their rivals like i'm thinking about gary neville was with man U and like him and jamie carragher for liverpool like bickering back and forth i don't think gary neville's ever said a nice thing about liverpool and like Liverpool's never done a good thing or a, a non-cheating thing in their lives. And it's just funny to see them like after their careers still hold this. I'm thinking like Micah Richards on the desk talking about like Man City. Like he thinks Man City is going to win every match ever, which he should. And I think it's actually cool to see them like really take hold of that and really just like live it and just like love their club forever. And then you got guys like Wayne Rooney who are at Everton and Man U. So like he probably wants Liverpool to like sink into the ocean or something i don't know have you seen have you seen him lately <laughs> wayne rooney uh, he looks like he has aged 30 years in the span of like six months it looks like it's just been fucking 
beer and hot dogs three meals a day. Was that not what it was when he was a player as well? Just beer and hot dogs for, <laughs> for his entire career? No. He made it work, though. He did make it work, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. DC United did him dirty. They, whatever he went through there. As a player or as a as manager? A coach, as a manager. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I just think back well, to the MLS All-Star match when he had to coach that. And the, it was like the EPL they played. And uh, he just, they lost, what, 5 nil this year. And he just was like, I have no feelings toward this at all whatsoever. He was just a, a lost man. Like, well, he just did not care. For pretty much anyone else around the world, like an all-star game just seems weird and it's only in American sports that, that actually happens. And so like, it's really just an exhibition game that doesn't matter. And if you're a fan of a club that is in MLS, you're just thinking like, Oh God, don't let this like really important player get hurt. Yeah. I'm thinking about like Todd Bowley coming in after he bought Chelsea and he was like, Oh, the premier league should have an all-star game. Like we have in in the States. And everyone was like, you're a fucking idiot. Shut up. And that just shows the difference too, between like rivalries over there in professional sports versus some rivalries here. Could you imagine like a Celtics player playing with a Rangers player, like an all-star game? I know that's not the premier league, but could you imagine two players on those same teams playing against each other and like opposing fans? I know like internationally, maybe it happens a little bit, but I just can't imagine them playing in some like friendly, fun game. Like, just as friend, it just seems crazy to me. That's the thing is we we've been laughing about some of these rivalries, and of course they are fun. And when it gets down to it, it's it's a sporting contest. But man, these rivalries are built out of some ideological differences. That's what creates the hate. Talking about Celtics Rangers, this is Protestants versus Catholics. Rangers typically align themselves Native Scots, and they're the Protestants and Celtic fans they tend to be more Catholic and a little bit more Republican. This is called like the old firm, the old firm rivalry. And, but it's really not clean old fashioned hate. Like it is uh, in, in a lot of different sort of rivalries. And it, it, it just goes to show you, like when you see these two teams show up on match day, it's about politics. It's about religion. It's so much more than just these two teams. And it gets really dark. And, and I think they, they feel like, Win- their team, their club winning is actually their religion winning, their perspective winning, their denomination winning. Like it's not just this is just the battlefield that they're playing on, but it's a ideological difference that they feel like they're finally succeeding. And wow, like that's amazing that football is that essentially avatar for those kind of beliefs. Yeah, that's super interesting. And obviously, I mean, Scotland's a super small country too. I mean, a lot of these countries over there are small, but like those are by far like this is a huge rivalry over there. I wonder. I don't know the answer to this and but I wonder if like all the other teams just hate both of them or if like they like latch on to one or the other. I just I don't I, that's pretty interesting too cuz you I, I'm sure there's other rivalries there and I know that 100% there are but like that's the only one we hear about and even like people I know over and live over in the UK that's they don't talk about any other ones too. So I just wonder how that like bleeds into the rest of that country, into the rest of that league. And like, do all Protestants and all Catholics in that country latch onto one of those clubs when they play each other? Or like, how does that work? Yeah. And I do want to point out the fact that like we were doing some research and finding some kind of data if we could for some of these. And this one quote, it says, it's estimated that from 1996 to 2003, eight deaths were directly linked to matches between Celtic and Rangers. Wow. Along with thousands of assaults and arrests so i mean again we're talking about contention dude people are dying this isn't this is so much more than that it's a freaking crusade yeah we may have talked about this before i think when we were discussing hooliganism as well because this is all tied up into that but we talked about 
that hyper localism. Cause you think about it, like if you're, you just look at England, but really like anywhere in Europe where there's, that's a footballing nation, Germany is smaller than the state of Texas. And so like there are these towns that are just a few miles apart or even like they with places like Liverpool where you're, it's a two club city, it's neighborhood against neighborhood. And it's so tight and, and contentious, like all these different ideas are just bound to bump up against each other. And it can create that kind of fracturous relationship. Whereas here in the US, everything is so fucking spread out. Our nearest rivals, if we're in Atlanta, our nearest ones are at minimum four hours away. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, we talked about that too, but that's like, what is there? There's seven or eight, depending on how you want to think about London proper, but there's like seven or eight Premier League clubs just in that one city at this moment right now. And it's usually like that. And like, they're not all rivals with each other. When they play each other, they call it a London Derby and it is what it is. But that would be like if there were like eight NFL teams in like Chicago. Like that's wild. You mentioned just the American rivalry building and how those are our closest rivalries here in Atlanta, four hours away. How is the MLS building these rivalries? What are you seeing as like, uh, is does it feel manufactured? Do you feel like we're actually achieving some sort of... Just everyone hates teams? Messi now, right? <laughs> <laughs> With MLS, it's incredibly contrived. It's literally just like, oh, what's the closest club to you? Okay, that's your rival. Right. So like whenever Atlanta United joined the league, the closest club to us was Orlando. So that's that was our rival. And we were the closest to them. And we manufactured like hate against them. And this battle back and forth between the two. It also like for Atlanta, that kind of grew into a rivalry just because not really not a real one, but like for the first like three years, they never beat us. And so that really pissed them off because they gave Atlanta shit for being plastic fans, which is like you, your club joined the league like three years prior. Like you're not that special either. <laughs> yeah. But in general, yeah, it's it, like it's either like whoever's closest to you, whoever's in your state, or if they can market it as like a as a really hokey name. Like <laughs> there are a few that are actually real. Like there's a Cascadia Cup, which is Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver. I know for a fact, Seattle and Portland, their rivalry dates back to like the 70s whenever they're in the old NASL. But whenever LA got their second team, they had to make up a, a rivalry for that. And MLS loves hokey names. So they called that rivalry El Trafico because of traffic in LA is so <laughs> Yeah. Are there any MLS rivalries that are like, because over the last 25, 30 years or whatever, that like those teams have just like, they're not anywhere near each other, but they're just both really good and have maybe played in like the finals a bunch. I'm thinking like Lakers Celtics is a huge rivalry in the NBA, but they play each other like twice a year unless they play in the finals. They're nowhere near each other. But like as a Lakers fan, like I never, ever want the Celtics to win. And they're like, but it's only because they were both so good for so long periods of time and played each other in like very meaningful championship series that they become a rivalry. I wonder if the MLS, like it'd be cool if the MLS ended up with something like that too. There's some that have gotten closer over the years, but it seems like the MLS is constantly bumping up against their salary cap. And so mm -hmm. you'll have a club like spend a fuck ton of money to get, to put together a really good team and they can hold on to that team for like one to two years, maybe three if they played their cards right. And then they got to sell off their team because uh, they've run out of money because of the way that all the salary cap stuff works in MLS. And so uh, nobody can really stay good long enough for there, like, there to be like this big contentious thing. And the like 
late 20 teens, there were three or four out of five years. It was Seattle and Toronto in the MLS Cup final. And so like that was somewhat contentious, but not like a real rivalry. Yeah. yeah so like, kinda- I just feel like teams can't, can't stably be really good for very long before like they have to be shitty for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like these like bottle rivalries. Like I'm a big WNBA fan too. And there was like four or five years in a row where it was like, Minnesota versus Phoenix in the finals and like one would win one year, one would the next year and they played each other and like it became a pretty awesome rivalry. But like within a few years, like most of the same, a bunch of the teams like disbanded. There was a couple of the main players on the teams, but like when they became both not elite anymore, like it's not really a crazy rivalry anymore. So I think that's natural too for that to happen. It'd be nice to not be New York versus LA because those are two big cities. And so they must, that must be a big rivalry game or the hell is real Derby. <laughs> between Columbus and Cincinnati. And that one is another contrived one. It's like, oh, they're in the same state. That's a rivalry. And there's this like really hokey sign on the interstate between the two cities that says hell is real. So we're going to call the Derby that. <laughs> yeah. I I think a lot of it, a lot of it is just like, there's still a bit of an understanding, still a bit of like education that I think a lot of, at least here in America, when it comes to like MLS rivalries, to understand about, the sport and to fuel these storylines. I think that right now, since this, the league is still growing and it's getting more mature right now, media is really just holding on to what they can and to manufacture some sort of feelings, but hopefully we can actually have some more player club or storylines that can evolve and maybe create more of a more natural experience, a more natural rivalry, but we'll see. And at the end of the day, I might just be, like pessimistic about the state of rivalries in MLS. Being from Atlanta, most of my life, no sports team here has really been good enough to ever like develop any kind of like really strong ire against someone else. I mean, like there's like Falcons versus Saints, but like, yeah, I don't, I I didn't even know that was an actual rivalry until like seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. I feel like all the teams I grew up watching were just good enough to like, not be ashamed of your hometown team, but not good enough to like draw the attention of someone else. So maybe there are MLS fans that are just as crazy as Philadelphia Eagles fans and will burn down their city if they ever win the championship. Yeah. And I think that's why in America too, we see it more in college football than in the NFL even, or we see it more in college sports. Cause that's, again, we've talked about this a ton now, but that's just the most similar thing we have just with so many teams and in, in like an area. I mean, there's so many prof- there's so many professional soccer teams in just the UK. That's crazy. And that's what's here. So I think that's where we can see that parallel. And I think that's something that I think that the MLS can maybe even learn from a little bit. It's going to be super hard because it's the same landscape as the other pro sports teams here. It's a large country with a, a large land mass and these teams are far apart from each other. And like, there's not necessarily these natural reasons for them that hate each other. I think maybe the fact that people move around a lot in the U S too, and like don't stay in the same city and States, maybe just like over the course of the next 25 to 30 years, some more natural rivalries were bud. But I think that's where that's going to come from. Yeah. We've been talking about too, like just like clubs rivalries. The great thing about global football is like, let's take a step back. Like we have the world cup and we have countries sending their best, which also is really interesting because you look at these, like these squads and it's literally like, all right, you have players 
if let's take England for example, like players from Liverpool and players from Manchester United playing on the same squad and like going into like team camp and they're just they have to put those like things aside and then reunite under a different banner for a while. But that's what's really cool is like soccer is one of the few sports where you can really take that like this is my country. Like yeah, it goes so much deeper than that. I think in international soccer too, a lot of there is a lot of history there, but a lot of what ends up happening is like the dominant teams end up just being like hated by everybody else and everyone ends up gunning for them. Like Argentina right now, I think everyone in the world wants to beat them because they just won the World Cup. France was the same. And obviously like France, England's always a big rivalry too, going back to like fighting wars against each other (laughs) in real life, but also like it ends up ending up on the pitch. But I think a lot of that was like, hey, when there's these elite teams around the world, just because it's like country versus country, everyone wants to gun for them. Well, boys, this was a really fun pod and actually a little bit lighter than some of our other ones, which is really great. I'm sure we need to mix in some more of those so people just aren't sad and depressed every time they listen to our podcast. Really enjoyed this. Looking forward to all the the matches coming up over the next few weeks. This has been great. Yeah, no, I agree. And I know most a lot of this these rivalry things are, are fun and a lot of it's heated and there's a lot of hate. And I know the three of us always come at things with love. So what I have a question, what... What team in this great wide world of sport do you guys each love to hate the most right now? Well, for me, that's Leicester because we were both relegated. We're both favorites to go back up. Leicester is top of the championship right now where uh, Leeds is sitting in third and they're on pace to blow like the points record out of the water. So hopefully Leicester takes a shit for the second half of the season and we're like win the league and automatic promotion. But we beat them recently, and so that felt really good. And anytime they do poorly this season, I've been cheering extra hard. My answer is going to be Man City, which, of course, I have the hatred for Man United. But, man, they have just been on our ass for the last couple of seasons. And if I take a look at that same perspective and apply it to the MLS, I'm going to say I'm just like not a big fan of Inter-Miami right now. They're just keep. They got messy. They're using the same sort of tactics, it feels like. They're just getting all these big players. They still miss the playoffs, though. They still miss the playoffs, which was, oh, man, that was delicious. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just going to say Man City. It's just, ugh, God, man, it feels greasy every time we play them. I'm with you on the Man City thing, but, man, I don't care if this is in soccer. I will forever I hate the Celtics. Not the soccer team, but the Boston Celtics forever and ever. And they're really good right now. So I can't stop thinking about them, which is probably not healthy, but they love it. I know that they love that. I think about them all the time. Um, Dude, they're living rent free in your head. Well, like you said, Ryan, it's all about love, but really it's also all about hate because that's what we're going to be doing this weekend. So boys, it's been a pleasure. So stoked to have y'all on back on the pod. We got some great stuff coming over the next couple of weeks. As always, follow us on Spotify. Send it to your buddies who like to uh, listen to the pod. See you later. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>